Hello, hello, and welcome to a very special version of Words with Writers podcast. Today, we are excited to bring you our full Director's Cut interview with Rosanna Micheletta Battagelli. Rosanna Michelata Battagelli, a professional member of the Writers Union of Canada, the Canadian Authors Association, the Association of Italian Canadian Writers, and Canscape. An alumna of the Humber School for Writers, she has been published in 19 anthologies and journals. She lives in Sudbury and has also done readings in Toronto, Sault Ste. Marie, Manitoulin Island, Montreal, Vancouver, New York City, and Italy. Rosanna's novel, La Brigantessa, published by Anana in 2018, was awarded gold for historical fiction in the 2019 Independent Publisher Book Awards and was a finalist for the 2019 Canadian Authors Association Fred Kerner Book Award and the 2019 Northern Lit Award. It won two awards for Best Cover Art, designed by Fal Bullard. Rosanna has two children's books published by Pajama Press and four books published with Harlequin, with the fifth to be released in July 2021. Her fiction collection, Pigeon Soup and Other Stories, will be released by Anana Publications in June 2021. Welcome to the show, Rosanna. Thanks so much, Brandy and Chris, and happy to be here. Thank you. It's great to have you here. Um, finally in person, because we get to talk about you so much in our members news. <laughs> That's why my ears have been burning so much, Chris. Yeah. <laughs> why? It's our fault. We apologize, it. but we're not sorry, because it's all good news that you have. So we want to share it. <laughs> um, yeah, so just I wanted to, to ask you, Rosanna, after listening to your bio, you, you've got so many different types of writing. Um, like children's stories, historical fiction novels, Harlequin romance. What inspires you? Well, I always wanted to write. Actually, I had two passions from the time I was young. I wanted to be a teacher, and I, I knew I was going to be a teacher by the time I was in grade five. And, you know, between the ages of probably six and really up until high school, I, I just loved reading and, and actually reading did not stop after high school. <laughs> I, I loved books so much and I wanted to be a teacher and I also had a fascination with books and, and just wanted to be a writer. So I'm really happy that I was able to work at both goals in life and you know I love teaching and then uh, I had a wonderful time teaching all the grades uh, many years spent with the younger children and you know with early literacy so I just loved sharing books with them and reading and writing and I'm happy to say too that some of my students were inspired by their time in my classes and have actually gone on to write themselves so that makes me very happy but I wanted to, to write and so while I was teaching and, you know, doing everything possible to inspire children, I was also investing in myself as a writer. So for, for many, many years, I did everything possible to become a writer, joining uh, book clubs, uh, joining writing groups, starting with 
the writing group in Sudbury. And then I connected with the Canadian Authors Association, I believe in 1992. Well, 1992 was the first uh, year that I went to a CAA conference, and that was in Hamilton. And I just, uh, you know, everything I had to do to realize my goal, I did. I uh, went to writing workshops. I took some mentorships with the Humber School for Writers. I read hundreds of books about the art and craft of writing. Uh, I read many books written by writers. Also, I read a lot of award-winning books, not only Canadian books, but international books, books, uh, you know, in, in from Italy, from Ireland. And I just wanted to do everything possible to become a writer. And so as I was teaching, I was sending off stories. So I started off by writing stories and trying to build up my writing history, my, my writing portfolio. And as these stories got accepted, I became more and more confident. And at a certain point in time, I was inspired to write a novel. And so the inspiration for that came from my history. So I was born in Italy, we immigrated when I was three. And, you know, at a certain age, I became very interested in my heritage and I wanted to explore because when you're an immigrant you don't just have one identity you have two and I you know I was Italian and then I was trying to learn how to become a Canadian so I started school not knowing a word of English and that might have been you know the impetus to learn and as I learned the language I learned to love books. So anyway, I, I did everything possible to learn the craft and the art. And I started collecting a lot of books on my particular history, my Italian history. And the more I read, one period stood out in my mind. And that was the period after unification. Unification of Italy happened in 1861, because prior to that, different parts of Italy were ruled by different rulers, the Austrians, you know, they, there were so many invaders in, in Italy, uh, you know, the Normans, the, the Spanish Bourbons, the, uh, the Arabs, and, and so I became fascinated with what, what happened in Italy at that time to cause this um, movement of unification and under one king. And then what I found out was that there was a lot of turbulence and a rebellion after unification, because what happened was with the installation of a new government from the North, uh, it imposed a lot of harsh taxes all over and it really affected the Southerners and the Southerners were poor agrarian peoples and, and they suffered and, and there was a lot of starvation and poverty and there was rebellion and the government went after these rebels and I was fascinated to learn that the government treated these rebels as enemies and wanted to wipe them out and so what I did was in my research I researched you know the politics the religion um, you know the women the different roles of women at the time the church the position of the church so as I read there were certain personalities that stood out, the peasant 
family, the priest, because religion played a very important part in the community. And so I drew upon everything that I read and I decided that I was going to write a novel based on true facts, what was going on in Southern Italy at the time, which is, you know, Calabria was where I was born. And I have six main characters in the novel. And these characters represent the people living at the time and involved in this web of rebellion and drama. And what came out of it was the knowledge that these rebels were called briganti, brigands, and they were pursued relentlessly by some very ruthless lawmakers, and they did what they had to do to survive. They went into hiding, many of them, but the government, as I mentioned, pursued them and punished them very harshly. And some of these rebels were um, joined by their wives or their lovers, and these women joined these men and these brigands really they hit out in groups called bands and the brigantesse were the women that joined the men in the bands and so the basically this book features a young peasant woman who is she is forced to leave her little community because of a crime she committed in self-defense against a wealthy landowner the forces of law pursue her. And so we see all the, the people in this period of history and how their lives intersect. And that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to highlight this period of Italian history because a lot of people don't know about it. And, and I'm very pleased with the, the fact that I was able to do so. Sounds absolutely fascinating. And you have an excerpt from La Brigantessa you're going to read for us today? Yes, I do. I'll just uh, preface this little reading uh, by sharing the fact that Gabriella is a young peasant woman and there's a young man in the community who has proclaimed his love for her at a secret meeting and she hasn't shared that with her father or anybody and unfortunately there are some circumstances that uh, occur that, well, let's put it this way, their lives are about to change. This chapter explains uh, the inciting incident in the book that precipitates the journey that all of them are about to uh, go on. Don Simone, by the way, is the name of the priest. He is a mentor to Gabriella. In fact, Gabriella and her father work for him. When Don Simone returns from saying mass, the pigeon soup is simmering in a big pot. Gabriella throws in a few bay leaves and joins her father at the sturdy oak table. Don Simone sits down with a sigh, a letter in one hand. His brows furrow and he begins tapping the table with his other hand. Gabriella notices its slight tremble. I have received some disturbing news. Don Simone wipes his brow. His gaze flies to her father and back to her. I wish I didn't have to tell you this. At these words, her father sets down his cup of goat's milk with a clatter and frowns. What is it? Is farmer Basilio complaining about our animals encroaching on his pastures again? His mouth tightens in a narrow line. 
I told him I'd fix the fence and I did, but I wouldn't put it past him to loosen the post on purpose so he could collect another fine, the sneaky. No, no, Lorenzo. Don Simone raises his hand in protest. It's nothing like that. Gabriella wipes her hands on her apron and moves closer to her father. There is something in Don Simone's voice that is causing the flesh in her arms to rise. A landowner from the north is investing in properties all over Italy, the priest tells them. He, he has purchased this property and will be arriving in the summer to view the land and to, and to decide whether he wants to keep. Keep what? Her father has leaned forward, his jaw rigid. A vein is pulsing in his temple. Don Simone bites his lip. Keep things the way they are. Keep the lands cultivated. Gabriella blurts. Why else would he want the lands if not for the crops they yield? And how can someone buy lands that belong to the church? She stiffens with a new thought. Don Simone, will you still have the church? Oh, filia mia, for now it seems that I will be able to stay on as the parish priest. But if this new landowner decides not to cultivate the lands, then, then, then we will have to find another means of employment, Gabriella's father says, each word dropping like a heavy stone. Gabriella sinks into the chair next to him. There's no work for them in Camini. Her family has been truly fortunate working for Don Simone all these years, and a few other families have been blessed with the means to help others occasionally, like Donino's father. Donino. Suddenly, Gabriella realizes that both men are looking at her. Did I just utter Tonino's name aloud, she wonders. She feels her cheeks burning. Her father's eyes narrow. Gabriella, did you hear what Don Simone has been saying? We may have no choice but to leave Camini. I can't we convince him to keep things as they are? Gabriella hears the panic in her voice. I don't want to leave Camini. Dear God, how can she tell them about Tonino now? Gabriella's father looks away. His jaw is clenched, and now his fingers are drumming the table. Come, Don Simone says, let us leave it in the hands of God. Perhaps we are worrying for nothing, and the Signor Fantine will keep things as they are. The way things, the way his words tremble at the end makes Gabriella wonder later if he really believes that nothing will change. Lying in her own cot, she stares at the shadows cast on the wall by the moon. There has to be a way to get this Signor Fantine to leave well enough alone. She cannot leave Tonino now or ever. She can't imagine a life without him, a life they have yet to begin together. She reaches for the rosary Don Simone gave her from a pilgrimage to Montestella. Her fingers fumble for the crucifix. She crosses herself and begins to pray. Ave Maria, piena di grazia. Beautiful. Thank you very much for sharing that with us. That was beautiful. Very beautiful. And now I'm invested in finding out. <laughs> and find what happens next? Mm -hmm. <laughs> There's a lot that happens, actually. There's quite a lot that happens. So thanks nice. for uh, the, uh, the opportunity to read and share about this book. Of course. Thank you. And, uh, and I just wanted to tell you too, Rosanna, I love your book cover. Mm -hmm. Oh, oh, yeah. thank you. Yes, it is. The colors, the font, it's, yeah. It's beautiful. 
the uh, the uh, the cover of the book actually is a real photograph of a female brigand uh, from the south, and my book is not exactly about her, but she represents, you know, the female brigands of the time, and her name was Michelina di Cesare. Ah, well, that's neat. Even it has a story to the book cover too, so that's awesome. Very nice. And uh, where where can people uh, buy the book? Uh, the book is available uh, at chapters on Amazon and uh, through the publisher in Anna Publications. Awesome. And I do want to mention the cover of the book that was designed by Val Fullard, who does wonderful covers for Anna. Oh, perfect. Thank you so much for telling us about your inspiration and reading from the book. We're wondering, do you have any advice that you can give to budding authors out there? You're a teacher, you've, you've taught people how to write and get themselves out there. So what can you share with our listeners? My advice uh, would be to do everything possible to learn the craft, to read, to read books about writing, to read uh, excellent books, to get yourself into a writers group, uh, to look at other avenues, workshops, um, mentorships, and, uh, and, and write. <laughs> Do a lot of writing. And don't be afraid of constructive criticism. Ask others to listen to you, to read your work, and really listen to what they're saying. And, and continue to believe in yourself. My husband always said, if you don't believe in yourself, who will? And so I've heard that a few times over the years. And, and that's really important to have that belief in yourself and also to look at others to help you. Thanks, Rosanna. Yeah, it's wonderful advice. Thank you. Yeah, <laughs> and it, it can definitely be challenging to listen to criticism, but it's it's always good for writing growth, right? Yeah, that's right. Always be open. Awesome. Well, thank you very much for joining us today and for that wonderful reading. It was so nice to have you. Thank you. Thank you so much again. <laughs>